Captain's Log, Stardate 7386.6. We have been delayed aboard Lone Star Station as we have had various delegations arriving and departing nonstop. Further, our communications array was disabled, but the station's engineers report all is well once again. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to Strange New Worlds. Hit it. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. Uh, it's been a minute, but I am still the captain. Um, the uh, rumors of my demise are greatly exaggerated. And um, I have with me, um, as always, Lieutenant Commander Eric and Ambassador Fogel from Kessel. How is everybody doing today? I'm doing quite all right on this day. Okay, if you say so. I do say so. Okay. I'm also doing all right, but I got to tell you, I think we need to we need to come up with a different planet than Kessel. That's there's a lot of spice there. I don't need to be associated with that anymore. <clears throat> all right. Well, um, would you rather be from Arrakis, the other planet with all the spice? <laughs> Just as long as it's not well known. You gotta have an economy, right? Do you want to be from New Caprica? Just no, I do not want. I do not <laughs> want to be from New Caprica. <laughs> well, you're not an ambassador. I mean, that's that's for uh, Ambassador Fogel to decide if he wants to ambassad New Caprica, or we can just demote you and just make you an officer and just like cut cut the middleman out. So we can do that too. Uh, I mean, why not? Why not? So anyway, well, welcome back. Glad you guys are here. Um, like I said, it's, it's been a minute. We've, we had some nonsense going on for me and I think things are pretty nuts for Eric at one point too, and maybe even for, for David and, uh, that's okay. Um, there has been some news that broke. I don't know if y'all heard about this new show that we might talk about later on. Something to do with Anson Mountain, Captain Pike. Have y'all heard anything about that? Yeah, I thought this had, like, the official news of this had actually happened, like, a year ago. So I was actually kind of surprised when it was, like, officially confirmed. Because I thought it was already happening. Okay. Well, now it is officially official confirmed. Like, um, I had been hearing teases. I don't know about the rest of y'all, uh, like, when it came to, like, the teases. But, like, Anson Mount would be doing some convention appearances or, or something and... He'd get a microphone, go to the front of the stage, and be like, "Hey, what do y'all think of a uh, of a Captain Pike show? Do y'all want one?" And like the crowd goes wild, and he like very coyly is like, "All right, we'll think about it. We'll talk about it." Which meant that he knew it was happening. Pretty much, but he couldn't say. And anyway, um, so I got um, I got the official announcement that maybe we could just like listen to and uh it's about a minute long and then maybe from there we can just kind of talk about it th talk a little about you know what we hope to see and kind of go from there computer playback transmission strange 
new. Worlds. You asked, we listened. It's happening. Wow, I'm so glad I finally get to share this news with you guys. Speaking just for myself, I have never received more love from a fan base than I have from the Star Trek family. Without you, this wouldn't be happening. So thank you so much. I can't wait to put on that gold Starfleet uniform and deliver number one right along Captain Pike and Spock. It is a huge honor. And it means even more for us to be able to announce this right now at a time when so much of the planet is hurting. The ethos of Star Trek is so curious and welcoming and unifying. And we're going to get to work on a classic Star Trek show that deals with optimism and the future. Here we go. I can't wait. And I guess there's only one more thing to say. Hit it. Is hit it gonna be Captain Pike's catchphrase? Yeah. Like, you gotta engage, have, you gotta have it. make it so? You gotta have one. Well, I remember in season one of Discovery, Lorca just said go. Like, any time when they were, like, jumping to warp, he just said go. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty lame catchphrase, if you ask me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of meh. But, yeah, like, every go. every captain has to have, like, their own semblance of a catchphrase right like didn't what kirk was what kirk said engaged didn't he yeah and then picard of course was make it so mm-hmm. uh janeway what what janeway say i have no idea <laughs> there's coffee in that nebula i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah she she said that once <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like hit it. I know that 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 made an appearance at least once, maybe twice in Disco season two. Uh, whenever he was sitting in the captain's chair, so yeah, that's that's definitely going to be his thing. But and All right. and and maybe something worth of note is Bruce Greenwood's Captain Pike said something similar both in uh, 2009 Star Trek. And uh, into darkness, where he said, Didn't he say, punch, punch it. it, yeah, yeah, hit it, punch it. There's hitting involved. He's a very violent, violent man if he wants to constantly be hitting things. And he he also asked if we took the parking brake off. You remember, which that? is appropriate, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, like you are a pilot, right? Very much so. Did you take the parking brake off? <laughs> Oh, parking brakes. And that's why the Enterprise is late. Like, they wouldn't catch up in, in, in you know, during their travels, right? So they all come out of, you know, warp at the same time. No, no, they have to arrive late. But, but you know, only only in a very minor way. Just, just a little bit. Yeah. It's just like, I, I don't know. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're not here to talk about 2009 Star Trek. No, 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 no. So we got we got the news. You saw we we just listened to the uh, the whatchamacallit, the official announcement of it happening. So what do you guys think, David? What do you think about about this? Like some feelings, um, initial feelings and thoughts about this. Well, I, I was actually uh, pretty excited, honestly, because I think um, and I I'm super bad at remembering names. What's your name again? Um, the the uh, the actor who 
played Pike in Discovery, I, I really enjoyed him, like, a lot, and it made season two a lot more enjoyable, I think. Um, Absolutely. So, but I think I think the one thing that I'm, I'm probably most excited about is a lot of the word that this is supposed to get back to kind of more of an optimist, I mean, even said it there, a more optimistic view God, there's so much dark, dark, you know, we, we seem to be in this loop right now in movies and television of wanting to give the darkest, um, version of everything. And I, I don't even know how that started necessarily. Cause there's always been like darker archetypes. And one of my favorite movies from the nineties was the shadow. Yes. The shadow, the shadow knows. And that was kind of dark in, in a corny way, in a corny 90s way, but I I feel like so much of what I loved about Star Trek was it could be corny, but it could also be, you know, they figured out the problems. Even when something major confronted them, like, say, the Borg or the Romulans, there was, there was a lot of optimism that you could find your way out of about anything. So I'm kind of... I, I don't need, like... <laughs> I don't need 1960s Captain Kirk swagger or anything like that, but just to sort of get back to some more optimism would be would be very nice. So that's what it sounds like. That's what it looks like. And these guys are all super excited. And uh, I think uh, I know one thing that you're really looking forward to is, um, you know, Spock with a goatee, uh, just like in that trailer, right? Yeah, hipster Spock. <laughs> hipster Spock. I'm totally looking forward to that. Um but how about how about you, Eric? What do you what are your thoughts on this this announcement of us getting this new Star Trek Strange New Worlds coming coming at us? Well, I'm I'm kind of right there with David, um, in the sense that we hear that this is going to be a much more optimistic optimistic show. And I remember when you did your the first contact episode, um, and you interviewed just a bunch of different people and you kept asking, what is it about Star Trek that you like? What is it about that you enjoy? What is it that keeps bringing you back? Almost every single person said this sem- sense of optimism and hope for the future. Right? That's I said that. I'm pretty sure David said that. Almost everybody said that that's what they like about Star Trek. And we have seen in this new era, this Akiva Goldsman era, you know, discovery and certainly in Picard, that optimism is not really there, right? It does have this darker tone. And I would agree that television and movies has somehow shifted darker in the past 10 to 15 years. I mean, like, I don't know what started it either. I think Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy is a, is a big thing say, that yeah. probably had a, lot of, had a lot of impact on this darker storytelling, even with our superheroes. Um... And so I'm looking forward to getting back to this um, optimistic nature where we can solve our problems not through fighting, but we can solve them through science and technology and and our intellect and our cunning Mm -hmm. rather than trying to fight our way out. Right, and that goes back to like something that I know that you certainly appreciate, Eric, that people give you looks for is sitting down and talking. Like as part of like that that hopeful, optimistic unifying future that we're talking about yeah i love it when the senior staff is sitting around the conference table talking through the situation can we just talk it out come up with a plan course of action and then 
go to it? Can we just can we do that? Can we sit around this table and talk? No. No? Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's no talking in Star Trek. No talking in Star Trek? Yeah, just like there's no crying in baseball. Another movie reference. Okay. Okay. Moving right along. Yeah, but 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 I just want to say one thing. You mentioned like you don't need the 1960s Captain Kirk swag. Um, was Captain Pike? I mean, I mean, here's the thing about Captain Pike. He was how many episodes is he in in the original series? Uh, one ofi- or, three, offici- or three? Officially or unofficially? I mean, would you call it he's in one episode or he's in three episodes or two episodes? I mean, the, the, what, what number would you say? I would go with one. Okay. Maybe, maybe one and a half. Like, let's let's give the original pilot some credit. Okay. Okay. All right. And then the menagerie that doesn't count. No, 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 no. No, I'm saying two. Let's just call it two because, like, okay. So we have, we have the original pilot, and then we have the menagerie. Yeah. Okay. So like, we literally know nothing about this character, do we? Right. So does he have swag? Like, what is his personality? Um, we saw a little bit of it, and there is some swag, I guess, in this Discovery Season 2. But I feel like this character is almost a blank slate that we can work with well, here. I, I, yeah, like, we know that... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think with him, he he's more more like uh, <laughs> like my grandpa would always say, on, ornery. Yeah, he, he's, he's, just, he's just got, like, kind of a... I, I think it's different. I think, you know, with Kirk is like, so how many ladies do you think Kirk can get in on this episode? Whereas Pike, it's more like, you know, he's just kind of got a little sideways smile, maybe crack a joke at somebody's expense. But I I don't know. I feel like there's also a, ver- a, a, a lot more, you know, seriousness there as opposed to the joviality. Yeah. I don't know. That's just how I kind of made the distinction or or think in my mind that would be the distinction right and and even with uh what is it i think like episode one or two it's like right near the beginning of season two of discovery like with anson mounts pike that we're seeing some of his personality coming out in how he's decorating his ready room right like with the whole santa fe vibes and things like that and to your point david um and and also to yours eric like yeah there he is a blank slate but I think I'm I'm kind of seeing Pike maybe as somewhere in the middle of like uh, Kirk and Picard um, in terms of like how he might portray like he's gonna have like that maybe like some of that um, Kirk type uh, fun about him right like maybe some like that jokester to to a certain extent but I think he's gonna have more of the seriousness. Of Picard, or at least that's what I would kind of hope to see um, in his portrayal, at least for me. Yeah, P- Picard was yeah. always kind of a, a, in some ways, until later, kind of a the, the distant character. Like coming from the, you know, the corporate business world, it's kind of like so you have a team, but you have to also make sure that you're somewhat detached a bit from the day to day because there are decisions that have to be made and not everybody's going to be happy about them. That's always kind of how I saw Picard. It's like he's he's sort of a little bit more detached, but where, you know, Kirk was <laughs> I mean, the end of an episode could literally, you know, end on a we're all going to laugh together. <laughs> it was, wasn't that a kooky adventure? 
I feel like that's how every episode of the original series ends. It's like Kirk, Kirk is sitting in his chair. He's got Spock on one side and Bones on the other. And Bones cracks a yep. joke and Spock gives him a funny look. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's what's that what's that gif that um, like he's doing like that head nod back and forth between him and Bones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was actually watching uh, Man Trap this morning and like pretty much ends just like that not the head nod but yeah like the the joking and smiling and fist bumping and things like that so um so yeah like i'm i'm really excited about about this um i was trying like when i first heard this um you know i was trying to think of like how did i react whenever i found out about the news about star trek picard and I probably watched that video at least a half dozen times uh, whenever the news broke at STLV in uh, 18 that this was going to happen. And I remember being like stupid excited and like trying to find every single podcast and YouTube video I could find to, to see what it was going to be about or if there's, or just like how people were reacting. And um, I didn't, I definitely didn't have the same reaction as I did for Picard, but I think I'm, I think I'm a little bit more excited about strange new worlds than I, I was about Picard for some reason. Um, even talking to my wife about it, I was, I got pretty emotional just talking about it. I'm like, yeah, they actually listened to the fans. Cause we've been begging CBS all access to do this for like a year and a half, almost two years now. And they are actually doing it. It's awesome. Yeah. See, I think, when I first heard the news that a new Star Trek show, Discovery, was coming out, I think I think they announced that back in like 2015 or something like that, like two years before it actually got to air. Right. Like there was a long time between the announcement of Discovery and when it actually aired, and a lot of stuff happened in between the announcement and when it aired. Like Brian Fuller left the show for creative differences. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was actually really excited for the news of discovery because you know star trek coming back to tv after 10 years of being gone and i know you and i've discussed this chase that we feel like star trek is best experienced on the small screen rather than the big screen Mm -hmm. right with your weekly adventures and and just titling a show discovery got me excited because when you title a show discovery it makes it sound like you're going to be on a ship traveling to these different planets and having these different adventures week to week. Like you're going to be discovering something? Yeah, like like <laughs> when you title the show Voyager, right? Like a, sh- a show called Voyager makes you think you're going to go on some really fun voyages. Okay, and so I, I was actually really excited for Discovery happening, and then I quickly became not excited once I saw it for a lot of reasons and then when they announced Picard and I heard that I probably fell out of my chair I probably literally <laughs> fell out of my chair I was like oh my god because I was just excited because I never thought it would ever happen right like Patrick Stewart coming back and after watching Picard I enjoyed Picard immensely much more than I enjoyed either seasons one or seasons two of Discovery but you know, I want to be excited for this new show, Strange New Worlds, but 
I don't think I can be excited about it until I actually see it. Sure. Right? They're telling us it's going to be optimistic, it's going to be hopeful, it's going to return to the classic Star Trek formula. But until I see it, I'm not sure I'm going to believe it. And I'm not sure how excited I'm going to be. Okay. So this is just offbeat question, but did you, like me, enjoy season two of Discovery more than season one? Or was it just all kind of the same for you? Um, I enjoyed season two infinitely more than I enjoyed season one because... um, I hate the mirror universe Ugh. with a passion. Yeah. Like, and I have a lot of reasons why I hate season one of discovery. One of them is the mirror universe. Another one is I hate being lied to by the producers. And I feel like for over a year, the producers lied to us about what season one of discovery was going uh, to be about. Makes sense. Okay. So, um, I definitely did enjoy season two more than season one. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, I think one thing just to point out, for Picard, and I think I've I talked to Chase a bit about this. I think one of the maybe the hangups I had before the show got started, because like I, I mean, I got into the the little comic, uh, what it was, the four issue comic, and all that before everything. I was really excited about that. Couldn't get my hands on issue two forever. Literally had to get it, you know, when I was in Michigan instead of Ohio. It was nuts, um, but. I wasn't really sure that I wanted to see like old, old Picard and then potentially old characters. And, you know, that, that was one of those things that I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent sure about with that series. And I don't know that I enjoyed the series as much as maybe you did, but, um, but it, it, it is always nice to see more new media, you know, kind of like you said, a discovery, bringing something new in um i mean what 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 was the last series we had before that i mean enterprise right enterprise. and enterprise, that was yeah. early 2000s i think or something like that. i can't yeah it went off the air it went off the air yeah. in 2005 so that's a that's a hiatus man <laughs> well well okay well i think that's an interesting point you said you you like seeing new characters and so for me, when Discovery came out, I was excited because we were going to get a cast of new characters. But then season two came around, and instead of following these new characters that we lear- met in season one of Discovery, who I feel like I know almost nothing about the characters from Discovery. Like, I know I know about Michael Burnham. I know about Saru. Um, I know a little bit about Tilly. But I feel like there's so many characters in Discovery that I feel like I know nothing about. Like, like there's that redhead on the bridge who's got, like, mm-hmm. the mechanical piece. Is she the pilot? I don't know. Is she the helmsman? I don't, I don't know. What's her name? I don't. I can't even remember. There's the Asian guy on the bridge. Yeah, like, like yeah. I can't remember his name. There's the black lady. I know her name. It's Awusakun. <laughs> But like, what's her what's her job? I don't know. And then like, there was like, and t- there was the robot. There was the robot woman who like the robot woman, right? Who like she was killed in season two in what was supposed to be this emotional and dramatic moment, but it just wasn't for me because I don't feel like I knew who this character was. Yeah, and so yeah, and like the cyborg, whatever robo woman, you know, uh, that was Lieutenant Araman. Um. And I only know that because Hannah Cheeseman, who played, I think she was the second actress to play her, 
um, in the show started like following me or doing or interacting with me on Instagram. That's the only reason I know that. Now, if you watch, cool. what is it like the the first or second episode of of Discovery? You have um, you have Captain Pike taking attendance, where he's like, "All right, what's your name? What do you do?" So, if you really want to know, just go <laughs> replay like that like minute and a half, and and you'll know who's in the class and what they're doing. Well, no, okay, but I guess, but my point was, my point was, um, you want to see new characters, and so season one of Discovery introduced us to these new characters. But then, instead of continuing to just explore story with these new characters, like, season two said, oh, we're going to bring back these characters that you already know of from the past. Even though we don't know that much about them, it's like, we're going to bring back Captain Pike, we're going to bring back number one, we're going to bring back Spock. And it's like, is that not admitting that your characters that you created for your new show are uninteresting and that you have a problem if you feel like you have to bring in these classic characters uh, that was that was actually something i was gonna say it's like do you think that they were all that memorable because like for, from a lot of a lot a lot of like looking into it like so next gen i think everybody was very well defined it's like you, you know well aside from poor Jordy who swapped off what he was doing but eventually settled you know chief engineer i looked at like uh uh stamets it he, he was just in charge of the spores. It's like, could he not have been your chief engineer of the entire ship? Um, and then, you know, they, they killed off his, his husband uh, was uh, Hugh, the, the doctor, which... Culber. Culber. Yeah, Dr. Culber. Okay, so this is something, and it's in the, the Star Wars universe, too. I hate it when you, when you kill off a character and then darn near immediately bring them back. Just either make the decision to axe them and then be content with the fact that you did everything you could to make that mean something. It meant nothing. And then they brought him back in a stupid way. And then you had all the, the, the dumb conflict that barely lasted, you know, what, half a season. And then all of a sudden it's all okay again. I didn't like that. Um, yeah, I think Discovery has a problem yeah. with that. With not just Stamets, but also with Georgia. The I Georgia. hated that too. Like, let's kill ki- kill her off for shock value in the beginning, but then you realize that Michelle Yeoh is an asset to yeah. your show, so bring her back in some way that makes really well. No sense. A- Ash Tyler, that whole thing uh, was was okay. I, I didn't really mind that as much as some of the other ones, but like uh, Tilly, the the helmsman, your navigator. Um, the one guy who was like your communications uh, officer or whatever, none of those people I think stuck out enough that it's like, well, why do why do I care about you guys? And I think that you you kind of put it exactly. And I think that that was a majority of it, or at least the way they saw it is like, oh well, maybe nobody cares about these people, so let's bring in bigger bigger personality types to fill in the gap I- that we couldn't do. But, I think, but does nobody care? Nobody cares about them because we haven't tried true. to write any story for them, and I think that's the yeah. failure. And and I think like one thing too, and and I think you can kind of argue maybe argue other shows that do this well or don't do it at all. But like like the thing with Star Trek is that we've grown accustomed to it being what episodic, you know, where it's like you have the problem of the week. And then you completely forget about it after that week. But even in that adventure, you're learning about your characters because they're interacting with one another. Um, whether they're major or minor characters, there's some 
memory of them and how they develop. And when and with this, like it's been strictly serialized, both first season and second season, and now with Picard also. Um, but Picard, I think, does it a little bit better, not much better, but just a little bit better with that development. But with the serialization, like you have to tell a story, you have a limited amount of time to tell a specific story, and and that's it. So, I think that's uh, to me that's part of the issue with like these characters that are on the bridge that we know nothing about, like Robo Girl, and then the people in the back, in the back of the ship on the bridge. Like, who the heck are you? Why should I care about you? Except for you know, I know Airman because of Instagram, but that's it. Like, not everyone's gonna have that experience. I also feel like one of the things about classic Star Trek, classic 90s, TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, is that they weren't shows designed around one main character. Sure, you had your captain who was the main character, but they were true ensemble shows where different episodes focused on different characters. You had you know, your Riker, your Geordi, your Data episodes. You know, you had your... Chicote and Tuvok and Tom Paris episodes. You had your Major Kira. You know, you had episodes that specifically tried to put different characters in the in the forefront. They let other characters whereas, shine for for at least an episode. Star, whereas Star Trek Discovery said every single thing is going to be about Michael Burnham and everything is going to revolve around her, and we're not going to give these other characters the chance to to take the forefront. I think the perfect example of that is. I, I think this might even be my favorite episode of season one of Discovery is the one with Harry Mudd where he puts the Discovery in a time loop, right? Because to me that feels like a classic Star Trek episode. But even that episode, they tried to force Michael Burnham to be the main character when that would have been a perfect episode to make Stamets the main character because he was the one who knew that something yeah. funky was happening with the time. And, and I think Discovery has that problem and... I'm hoping in this new show where we introduce a new cast, we can go back. If we're tr- truly trying to be classic Star Trek, we can let different episodes have different characters come to the forefront to See, learn. Yeah, I've had that exact, this exact same argument with like, you know, when The Mandalorian came out or when they finished up season seven of Clone Wars. I miss 90s TV. Sunday night at, at my house with my parents, we would sit and watch. Um, I don't remember everything that was on. There were three shows we watched, and the main one was X Files, which was literally monster, literal monster of the week. I miss that kind of storytelling because you could, exactly as you said, you could go and say, "Here's Jordy, you know, doing something, you know, uh, getting it, getting his." you know, stuff all twisted with all of his, his women that he can't get, or, you know, Riker, you know, and his, his, uh, you know, his various, you know, you know, and and I just, I just saw something and I guess I never noticed in it. I feel like the dumbest guy alive, but the way he sits down, I recently watched a video and I was like, how did I never, where he sits over the back of the chair? I never noticed it. (laughs) I can't stop seeing it. It's like, how did I never notice that? But yeah, it was, it was, it was very, it was very contained in episodes, and then you had your your arc where you had some overarching theme, but you had your arc at the end, you know, your finale that led into next season. So Discovery just, you know, it was. It was a Michael Burnham show, and I like Michael Burnham. I actually really do enjoy her in, in a lot of ways, but it just it took away from the potential of growing everyone else. And then season two, you just have Captain Pike, who is like, 
okay, I'm cool with this. I, I, I'd like to see him, but then everybody else, again, it just all faded. But this is still one thing I don't understand. What is the reason Captain Pike, like, had to take over the Discovery in Season 2? Like, Because I the plot demanded it. Yeah, because it was, like, for reasons. Like, was it ever really explained why he had to come there? And, like, whatever happened to, like, at the end of Season 1 of Discovery, they were saying, hey, we're going to pick up the new captain yeah. of this ship. Whatever happened to that person? Why couldn't, instead of bringing in Captain Pike, why couldn't you bring in that person that you said was going to be the new captain and explore that character? Well, they're dead now because they're, you know, really far in the future. (laughs) (laughs) They're kind of dead. Okay, I guess they are. (laughs) So so I think the thing that I'm, I'm hearing the most is, like, kind of bringing it back to, like, this this new Pike series, the Strange New Worlds, is that we're we're hoping for more character focus, like not just Anson Mount's Captain Pike. We want to learn more about actual number one. Does number one actually have a real name? We want to learn more about Hipster Spock, why he chose to grow a beard versus why he's clean shaven, type of thing. Uh, we want to learn more about that era of the Enterprise. I mean, that's after. What after uh, uh, Captain April, now Commodore April, right? Um, after he was in charge of the Enterprise originally. So, um, if, if character, if character development and episodic are some things that we're we're kind of wanting, uh, what are some other things that that would be kind of cool to see as well? Like, I know we just just to ramble a little bit. Like, I know that we we met. I'm pretty sure all the founding members in Enterprise, but I'd like to see maybe some more stuff with Tellarites and Dorians, right? Definitely Vulcans. Well, I think, I think that's one thing that um, I'm interested in seeing these new alien species. And I think Discovery has actually done this well and has done a good job of including, like, Andorians and Tellarites. Whereas, I, I don't think... Did we ever see one Andorian or Tellarite in 90s Star Trek? I know we went. We saw some of the, a lot of them in the original series, and then of course in Enterprise. But did we really see any of them in that entire TNG Deep Space Nine Voyager? Mm. I, mean, I, I don't think we did. I can't recall. But I know, I know, we have definitely seen Andorians and Tellarites in um, Discovery, and you know they look a little different. But I don't, ha- I don't really have any problem with slight different designs like you know the Tellarites now have tusks which hey that's whatever but I, I'm interested in seeing that um, I guess one thing that I will say um, when you when you continually go back in time you run into um, potential continuity issues right and Star Trek is littered with continuity problems like stop it and it's it, it's gonna it's gonna happen and I know pe- there are people out there that they feel like it is their job to go through and just find and point out all the continuity errors to people and I just really hope that people don't do that right like just that's one thing I, I really hate when people do that so please don't do that if you're one of those people I'll see myself out. And his Twitter handle is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but 
I, I guess also the point where I was going is that when you go back in time, you run this risk. If you, you know, you're doing, you're calling this strange new worlds, right? Which comes from obviously the opening monologue of to explore strange new worlds and seek out new civilizations. But like Enterprise tried to do this same thing, like go back in time and have us start exploring. And a lot of people got really upset at Enterprise when they introduced storyline that we had never heard about. I mean, I'm, I'll bring up the, the Zindi story arc, but like, if something that big and that massive happened, we would have heard about it in the future, you know, and we never heard about that, so that's a terrible story. And is this Strange New World going to run into that same type of criticism, where if they try to introduce new big plot points and new big alien species, are people going to get upset because well, if something that big had happened, we would have heard about it in the future. Well, of course they're going to be mad about it because people have to be angry about something to be able to sleep at night these days. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, like people like to complain and be angry because there's nothing better to do. So, yeah, I mean, people are going to nitpick, right? And and Star Trek fans are very passionate, intelligent fans, but they do some pretty dumb stuff sometimes when it comes to really getting hypercritical of the timeline and I, I i want there i think if we're talking continuity i i like the balance of what they did in the season two finale of discovery with the enterprise bridge i thought it was a good aesthetic like it was a good balance of of being um of honoring the original bridge right with with shatner's bridge but also giving it an, up, an update for today. So as long as they whereas, do something... Whereas the Discovery Bridge looks like it's from like 500 years in the future. <laughs> and Newsflash, y'all, like, that th was the same set that they used for um, for Riker's ship in, in Star Trek Picard. Exact same what, set. The, the, the Discovery Bridge mm -hmm. was the same as the Zhang He? Yes, exactly. It was redressed. It was redressed for for his ship. Yeah. Okay. I didn't yeah, you know, know that. what I want Surprise. in this new series? Is it a Reese's peanut butter cup? Because I could totally go for one right now. Well, I mean, if you really want to send me, that's cool. No, what I want, and it is food related. Uh, interestingly enough, I just want a bunch of those old colored shape foods like they had, like they had on the original series. That's all they can eat. You can't have real food anymore. It's just those little little things. I don't even know what to say. A bunch of little gummies. That would be great. Well, I mean, did they ha did they have food replicators on the original series, or did they not introduce those until TNG? Replicators, I think, weren't even introduced until what was it? The animated series. I mean, the hol the holodeck wasn't even introduced until the animated series, but it was called something else. Yeah, I mean, in Enterprise had protein resequencers. Yeah, and they had a they had a chef on board who had to cook all their food. But I'm I mean. Mm -hmm. it, the Enterprise in the original series, they did have the, the stations where you got your magic gummy, you know, pastel colored gummies out of or, or tribbles in one case. But I don't know if that really counts as a. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure what that counts as. So I think we'll yeah. go with no, no food replicators until the next generation. Right. Right. So yeah, like if we if we have some MRE gummies, then cool. Right. Then David gets his wish grant. That's all I want to see. 
you can up you can update all the jewel the jewel consoles with all your little various little flashy lights but as long just keep the gummies that's all i need all right, we need Continuity. some gummy bears <laughs> they're malnutrition they're suffering from malnutrition why all they're eating is gummy bears <laughs> space gummy bears oh goodness well okay well that was a good talk everyone well that's our show for today everyone <laughs> ending on gummy bears that darn ambassador so we don't want to see him back again all he talks about is gummy bears him and his spicy gummy bears his gummy bears so made of spice if, if we continue to talk about this what do you guys think of Anson Mount do you like Anson Mount as as Captain Pike just as a general casting I do yeah yeah. You yeah. do? Um, uh, so Anson Mao, I know, um, I don't know if you've ever seen this. He was on that show Hell on Wheels. He was the main character. Um, Cole, Cole Meany was also one of the main characters on that show. Of course, he plays Chief O'Brien. Mm-hmm. He was really good on that show. And I actually like, I like, I like Anson Mao. I think he's a good actor. I think it's good casting. Um, what about like Rebecca Romaine and Ethan Peck as those two characters? Do you like those casting choices? I think the only one I have an issue with from like that trio is just Ethan Peck. Like he just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I mean, I'm definitely going to give him a chance in this show, like for him to stand up on his own. But like right now, he's the only one I'm just really leery of for whatever reason. So is it is it is it the portrayal? Because like even. In the original series, Spock obviously was, you know, oh, oh, logical Vulcan, but he there was also the humor. So say, and this is, I, it'd be very hard for me to, you know, to think about it or to envision it. But say you you strip the the eyebrow raising and the the sort of uh, sarcastic humor out of it, and then just had like a true serious like Vulcan because I think he actually portrays like a a decent enough like serious Vulcan but do you think it's do you think it's any different for you just because of like the portrayals of like the original and and now we're just bringing in another younger actor or or is it or is it just the guy you hate his face and his beard I just hate everything about him I hate his existence for me is that like I Leonard Nimoy is Spock as far as I'm concerned, right? And like, it's difficult for me to to watch anyone else in that role. Like, I didn't, I didn't hate, but I didn't particularly care for Zachary Quinto's interpretation of Spock. I mean, I could take it or leave it, and I just, I, I just, it's for me, it's very jarring to see somebody other than Leonard Nimoy because Leonard Nimoy is Spock for me. Yeah, it makes. I was, I was, I was gonna, I, I was know. gonna ask you about the other cinematic Spock there as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, Zachary Quinto was fine. It was I nothing did, special. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't love all, it. To be honest with you, I mean, I just didn't. I, mean, I didn't see it. Yeah, I wasn't the big. I wasn't too crazy about Quinto either. So I do like Peck more than Quinto as Spock. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, I guess it's closer to what Eric is saying about. Ethan Peck is that it'll be like a take it or leave it kind of thing, but 
again, I'm gonna I'm re- I'm gonna give him a chance, right? Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I hate him in that he's the worst Spock ever. I'm gonna wait and see what he actually does in this show apart from the Discovery story. And and I guess this leads back to the like I know the story of Spock. Like I know who Spock is. I understand this character. I know what happens to him. And I love Spock, but I'd rather learn about other characters. I'd rather see other characters, new characters, right? Because we're supposed to be moving forward, right? So that's a, that's a good point. So, but but at the same time, uh, where we're going to be in the timeline? They're they're still talking. This is going to be about a decade ish uh, prior to original series Star Trek. So if they are willing to honor the history. Let me ask you guys this question. Would you be open to seeing a young Kirk on the Farragut? I feel like for me, I I would have the same issue with that as I do bringing in, you know, Pike into season two of Discovery, right? I would rather learn about the rest of the bridge crew on this, on the Enterprise, that uh, this Enterprise captained by Pike rather than, you know, learn stories about the other char- other characters I already know about. Yeah, I didn't okay. even think David, about it think? until you said it. That, God, it just seems like such an obvious thing that you could do. You know, like, I don't, I don't know if everybody agrees on the same way to say it's fan service, but I don't need that. Like, I just well, don't. I think it. I think it is fan service. Like at at the end of season one of Discovery, right? They were going to meet mm. the new captain, and they get diverted somewhere, and it's like, oh, we're encountering a ship. What's the ship? Yeah, and they yeah. do the one, and then they do the seven really slow, and they do. Everyone's like, oh, it's gonna be the Enterprise, and oh, it was, it was just total yeah, fan service yeah. right there at the end. And and listen, like, you can call me a hypocrite if you want. I didn't like that fan service there, but like in Picard. Like, especially in those first couple episodes, there was all kinds of fan service that I was just super sure. giddy about. Like, the, when he went to the Quantum Archives, I was just like, show me all of that stuff there. And now here I'm saying, well, I don't want this type of fan service now. But if I can, maybe maybe I can make a distinction with what you're, you're saying, Eric, is that you prefer the fan service that is more internal than external, right? So, like... With the with the quantum arch- archive, that was fan service for Picard. Like it wasn't externally connected as much as like later fan service where we see, like some of the next gen cast, like with with uh, Frakes and and Sirtis there in Nepenthe. Like seeing all the stuff that was part of Picard's life made sense, and you're more open to it. So maybe in the same way with, with if we ever got like a younger Kirk, like he's a lieutenant, lieutenant commander on the Farragut. You know that might be more of an issue because it's not directly about uh, Captain Pike. Is that kind of what you're saying, or am I kind of off on that? Yeah, no, no. I think that I think that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's a good way. What to did put you it. What did you think about the the DS9 episode where they where um, they're transported back in time during the Tribble episode? Trials and tribulations. Trials and tribulations. Yeah. With, yeah. With the Tribbles. Well, wasn't that that was um. Wasn't that for the 40th anniversary of Star Trek? Wasn't that like right around like 97? I think that was like a special 40th anniversary, wasn't it? Or 30, 30, it would have been 30th anniversary, excuse me. 
And so I think I, I like that episode. I don't think it's like a super great episode. I think it's kind of just a fun diversion. Um, but I don't know. I liked it. Didn't hate it. Didn't love it. But I do think that was like a, a something a special. Like I, I I I do believe. Like don't quote me on that, people. Okay. I mean, did did you have like um, I don't know. No, I mean, I I, I just I just kind of wondered because I, there's definitely fan service all around. I mean, there's 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 always going to be something that kind of leads back, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm not real interested in in seeing Kirk at this point. I just kind of want to, like you said, to to explore more of the the crew of the current Enterprise, and and again, sort of get it back to that character focused, episodic, you know, monster of the week kind of deal. If if we could, that's that's how I would like to watch it. But it's, it's not up to me. One, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking up. I'm looking up some trivia right now. One thing, both tr- both trials and tribulations, and the Voyager episode flashback were produced as part of a celebration of Star Trek's 30th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. So that Voyager episode where they go to the Excelsior with Captain Sulu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both that episode and this trials and tribulations were 30th anniversary specials. Now, one thing I, I would like to do, and I think time jumps can, you can do it really good or really, really craptastically. And I don't want there to be a, uh, like an Enterprise series finale type of time jump. But I think if, if each season, right? So like if there's like three, four, five seasons of this, like if there's like a year, maybe two years in between the seasons, like within their own timeline, I, I think it would make sense. I would be perfectly content with um, with like Kirk becoming like captain of the Enterprise, maybe at the end of Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. That would make like, that would make sense. That's like the the series finale, like the hand handover of the command. Mm-hmm. I'd be okay with that. Okay, I'd be okay with that too. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering, but here's the thing, like if we're talking like connections with other Trek, so like obviously Kirk's going to factor in at some point, whether it's in the show or, or just gets completely ignored, but like we have the whole, um, what the Telosians, right. And like, what's going to happen with him. So is that something that you hope to see in this show eventually like them, like actually like seeing for sure, for sure, like what happened beyond like the menagerie, right? And and the original pilot of Star Trek. Is that something that you'd want to see explored more? So we want to see the accident that puts him in the, the chair mm-hmm. and that leaves him incapacitated? Cause it, I mean, it, does that, does that, is that, like, I, I, I haven't seen the menagerie in a while, but, like, it, that's something that happens after he turns over. Is that something that is that something that happens after he turns over command of the Enterprise, or is that like the reason why he was no longer in command? I'm fairly sure, certain that's part of the reason why he turned over command. I think okay. because I know that Spock kind of kind of kept it on the DL, and Spock knew all the stuff about Pike. Like they were best buds before you know him and Kirk became BFFs, right? So. Mm-hmm. 
So regardless of how, I don't know, because like they tease it, they tease it in season two of Discovery whenever they're getting, they're harvesting time crystals and the, the Telosians are there when they do like the whole previously on Star Trek bit, which I love, by the way, I thought that was cool. Um, so however it pans out, I think it's kind of like nebulous. It's kind of like, okay, how did it happen? When did it happen type of thing? Well, I, I think, I think that that's an interesting thing because we know, we as an audience know what happens to Captain Pike. So you're basically, you can write a story where you already know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. And so you can try and work yourself to that end. So I think that that's something interesting they could they could do, they could play with. Yeah. It's like writing yourself into a corner. Yeah. Almost. What are your thoughts, but, David? I mean, you, you've still got almost 10 years of time. At this point, it's probably like seven or eight years of time. Right. What do you think, David? Mm. I, I think that that's kind of a... I mean, something that I had thought about on how to, you know, potentially end the series, but I always... I don't like thinking about the end of anything. Like I was never the person who, you know, I'm reading a book and I read the last couple pages. Um, and I never, I never, I'm actually very anti spoilers of anything. Um, and oh, we, me, we've me went, too. I've went through this with, with, uh, the, the star Wars movies and like, you know, buddies of mine, they're like, oh, have you seen this uh, potential spoiler? It's like, no, and I won't I won't read it either um, because I, I, I enjoy the ride too much. So I, I don't know. I, I think knowing what we know happens with Pike later because we do get him, you know, the, the, the boomerang back to his arc eventually. I just, I don't know. I, it's not necessarily, I don't know. It's just not necessarily the way I would take it, but I'm not, I'm not a writer. I'm not in that position. Well, I just, well, I, I just don't like knowing the end of the story before it happens. Well, well, let me bring this up. Um, in the Star Wars prequels, like we know what's going to happen to Anakin Skywalker. Like we know the end of this prequel trilogy and like, we have to write ourselves somehow to get to that point. Like, is do you see a difference between that story here and this potential story with Captain Pike? Is we know the so, ending and yeah, how we get and there? that I mean, it's it's a good analogy, but for for me, for me, you know, there was there was a sympathetic nature, and the story is is that obviously you have supposedly the golden boy who's supposed to be you know saving the light who winds up becoming the evil that they he was supposed to fight or in quotations supposed to fight that's you know whatever that's an entirely different conversation but there was there was always like even though we knew the end of the story there was in my in my opinion and and whatever anybody can view anything they want there was a lot of character development that was um that was done and there was, there's just a lot of layers to that that made it a bigger story. And although, and although like 
I think there's a lot you can unpack with Pike. I actually, I, I, I feel that it's a little bit more straightforward in my mind than the story of Anakin Skywalker and his turn. Um, so, again, I, I, think, I think that it's, it's a very easy end to the show. But there, I don't know. It, it's, it's, just so, it's just so personal because I don't, I don't particularly want to, like, have that sort of almost like a deja vu moment where you're like, Oh, because we already kind of saw that in, in discovery. It's like, Oh, this is where we're at. I actually have a very, um, <laughs> I, I kind of have a, a, a very in, in my own mind sort of thing where it's like, I don't want to see that. I just don't want to see it happen. I just kind of want it to be left to interpretation. And then we already know what happens, but I don't, I don't want to see it for some reason and I can't it's just a mental block and I just don't want to see it happen and I can't really explain it (laughs) no I I, I totally get what you're saying I think sometimes when you know the ending it can spoil the ride um, in a certain sense Um, actually kind of had the same feeling with Voyager If, if you knew me back at the time like I was saying for years years and years that I don't want Voyager to end with them getting home. Mm. Like, I know eventually they will get home at some point. Like, they have to. The ship's not going to be destroyed. They're not going to decide to settle on some planet. You know they're going to get home at some point. So I kind of want... I wanted... I said for years and years and years ahead of time, I want Voyager to end on just like, hey, this ship is home. This is where I consider home. And, like, I don't need to be home. Right, and we can just have an ending in that sense, and we know what's going to happen eventually. Right. So I don't know if that's the like the same idea or not, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think I, I think that's a similar similar line of thinking. Yeah, yeah. And I think like if we're talking about living it, you know, um, open to interpretation and and like maybe a little bit of ambiguity. Like for me that'd be something that I'd be kind of comfortable with if they did something like um, what they did with uh, Jack Bauer in 24, right? So at one point he plays hide and seek for four years. And then we have, you know, the mini series that came back for like a hot second, but then he gets arrested. We don't know if he did a jailbreak spoilers. If you've never well, seen, well, he gets, he gets, he turns himself over to the Russians. Exactly. Yeah. He gets arrested by the Russians, but we don't know if he actually attempts a jailbreak. We don't know if he makes it back to the United States if he does anything with the FBI, if he, you know, we don't, we don't, or, or a new, you know, CTU or anything like that. Um, and I'm perfectly fine with that because it gives us hope that Jack's still out there and that he could do something. So I, I, I think I'd be more okay with, with something like that if they did it right yeah. with, with this show. But that, that's the very end. Like we haven't even seen a second of footage, of course, but, but we, uh, yeah. but we, <laughs> but we know that it has to, lead to that some, at some point right. whatever how, whatever that is however that is mm-hmm. yeah like who knows how long it'll take to get there who knows how long this show will run mm-hmm. and, and maybe that's a good question like we've we've heard that um picard might run for like three seasons uh, but but at the same time um akiva goldsman was um akiva um who else was it? Shaban. They. I, I'm sorry. It was Michael Shaban that was um, interviewed recently, asking how long they were going to do Picard for. 
And they and he straight up said, we are going to do Picard as long as Patrick wants to do it. So that gives gives him options to leave whenever the heck he wants to leave and say whatever stories he wants to say as an executive producer, right? So as fans, is there like a number that you can think of that you think might be ideal for for a, a Captain Pike series? Well, if you look back to the TNG era, you had seven seasons, right, of 26 episodes. Mm -hmm. And, like, television just isn't done that way these days. Like, you don't have seasons that are 26 episodes. You have the 8, 10, 12, 13. I think season one of Discovery is, like, 15 episodes. Okay? It's just the nature of television these days, especially... If you're going to be on a streaming service instead of on like actual television, um, and when the less episodes you have, I feel like it's easier to keep up the quality, right? When you do 26 episodes, you know, there's gonna be some episodes that are not as good as the others. Code like, of honor. That just ha that just happens, right? Threshold, right? <laughs> you know, like it happens. Um, so I, I'm, but. Also, at the same time, I say, if you keep the episodes down per season, you can extend the number of seasons. But I also feel like you reach a point where, like, television shows don't need to last much longer than five or six seasons in my mind. Like, Breaking Bad was five seasons. I mean, season five, part one, and five, part two, you call it six seasons. And it was, like, perfect. Uh, the Sopranos was six seasons. Mad Men was seven, right? Which uh, I would argue you probably could have ended Mad Men a season earlier. You could have shortened that. But but season, I don't want to see. I think five seasons is like the perfect number for a television show. I think once you start dragging it past that, no matter how few episodes you have per season, you run into like, well, do we still have ideas to continue this? Okay. So you're 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 recommending that we do like maybe five, four or five, four or five, seasons. four or five. Okay. Yeah. So j just as a you know, because I can't remember everything as good as you guys, I was doing a little little looky looky looing here. So Pike at one point was promoted to fleet captain. I don't know how much canon you know things twist and turn. I have enough of that with uh, with wars, and then. Uh, injured rescuing cadets aboard a training vessel. So could we conceivably end this with just him being effectively promoted instead of actually showing the accident and then you leave that to the ambiguity? Sure. Yeah, I would be fine with that. Yeah, that'd be cool too. Okay. Yeah, as far as, as seasons though, I was listening. <laughs> I actually, I actually but, agree but with you. If, you. if you could, if you could run it for five seasons, I'd be pretty happy. But man, oh man, I, I do get tired of these. Like, uh, I, I honestly do get tired of these. Like ten and twelve episode seasons. Like, just give me a twenty-two. Just give me an honest twenty-two. And just be, just be happy about it. <laughs> oh, so you actually want the mm, longer mm -hmm. season? Absolutely. It gives me so much to rewatch later. 
I mean, are you nuts? <laughs> I mean, if you gave me five five seasons of twenty two episodes, like I can just binge that over a long period of time instead of like literally getting it done in a day. You know, years down the well, road. Well, you want you want a sh- you want a show with five seasons of twenty two episodes. Babylon Five is exactly okay, that. Okay, now. Five seasons, 22 episodes. Now we're going nuts. I don't need any other any other sci-fi in my life. So wait, wait. Like, do you want you want five seasons, 22 episodes? Are these half-hour or one-hour shows, though? You, you mean t- TV one-hour episodes that wind up being 45 yeah. minutes? Yeah. Uh, give give me the TV one-hour. Yeah, but, I want it. Okay, all. so here's the thing. Do you think do you think because we're on a streaming service because we're on a streaming service, you know, like um, you know, when you do a traditional hour-long television episode with commercials, it's 42 mm-hmm. 43 right. minutes, right? Um, but you know, streaming services don't have to adhere yep. to that. We saw like uh, most of the episodes of Discovery, I do think are around the 42-minute mark. But there are definitely some that are an app, like sixty an hour without commercials or in the the 55 50-55 minute range, yep. right? Um, so, I mean, with a streaming service, we don't have to be beholden to a certain you know time frame. Here, here's 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 the root of this. Okay. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here G- give we go. me the director's cut. All right. Don't give me the the chopped down, you know, over edited something. Just give me the story. If the story takes you 45 minutes, awesome. If it takes you an hour, do it. Tell the story to its completion. Um, I mean, my God, if Rise of Skywalker uh, was, I think, like, now I'm forgetting how the runtime on that, but like, so many of the, the Star Wars movies are two hours, two hours, 30 minutes, but they could be longer. Rise of Skywalker, well, well, or not Rise, but uh, The Last Jedi would have benefited from some of the deleted scenes. And they cut it. Well, but I just tell the story to its completion. The length is the length. And because you're on a streaming service, well, I, I feel, feel like, like you could do that. I feel like with The Rise of Skywalker, I feel like I had heard that the like it was supposed to be like two hours and 40 minutes mm-hmm. originally. And then they came out like a month later and announced the running time at like two hours and twenty right, minutes. Yeah. Like they cut, they cut a bunch of time yeah. from the official. And I do think that's a movie that could have benefited from more, more time yeah. and more explanation. Yeah, I mean that's a different yeah. podcast and all, but yeah, no, for sure. But <laughs> yeah. I mean that—that's my. That's I know my the guy that runs a podcast that talks about yeah. Star Wars. If you want to talk Star Wars, I don't here. like that guy though. But I know. I, I think I think that's a good point, though. You know, just just tell the story. Um, and if your story's longer than forty three minutes, like you could potentially tell it as two parts, right? If you need to, it could be a two part episode, or just make it fifty five, sixty minutes. I think that's like I think that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, th- I th- I I feel like I feel like, and I don't know. Obviously, I know nothing about the inside of the industry. But I feel like with the, the cord cutting and the streaming services and the pay-as-you-go mentality that we have now and not being beheld to standard cable, just 
there should be more freedom to do that sort of stuff. And I, I just, I think too often times you hear a lot of directors and producers regret things. Even George Lucas regretted uh, things that he couldn't do back at the time when he was doing, say, the originals or, you know, things that he would have liked to have done or added in or taken out. And to, at the end of the day, you're an artist. If you're, if you're going to label yourself as an artist, then give me your art. Give me your vision to its fullest extent and let me decide if I like it or don't like it. Because that's the thing. I might not like it. But with an episodic yeah, series, I might not subjective. like this episode, but I could really like this episode. And just give me the vision. That's all I need. Yeah. And I think people these days have shown that they're willing to invest time in longer stories. I mean, look at Avengers Endgame. It was three hours long, yeah. right? And it's the highest grossing movie of all time. So people are willing to sit through your longer stories. And and by longer stories, we're not even talking about a three-hour story. We're talking about the difference between 45 minutes and 60 minutes. Like, when you've already sat for 45 minutes, what's another yeah, 15? Exactly. Yeah. And I'm with I'm with uh, with David on this one. Like, I I miss having like the twenty something seasons, twenty twenty episode something seasons, and um, I I feel like a little cheated at times, just getting like the dozen and stuff. Like, yeah, I'm paying like eight, nine, ten bucks a month for this service, but I mean, I I feel like you're just kind of scratching the surface whenever you're getting to like about ten. Like, you're getting like around seven or eight you're just starting to figure out who these people are you're just getting into the story and i've and i've said this earlier like i feel kind of uh restricted right with like serialized especially and i think you could do so much with episodic now you can do so much with serialized too i mean like look at game of thrones they do a great job with that um yeah yeah okay so (laughs) but still like like eighth season aside of thrones right you know like they do a good job of like telling the story yes they have with 10 with 10 episodes with 10 episodes so like that's that's like kind of an exception in my book like that's not the standard that's just an exception <laughs> so i mean whatever we get i mean cool i'm not gonna i won't throw a fit i'm not gonna be an angry nerd troll about you know 10 15 episodes you know just because i want 20 something let me let me hit you back with that. Like ah! I almost I almost felt like ten episodes was too much for Star Trek Picard. I felt like you easily could have told that story in eight episodes, and I feel like by making it ten, you you kind of slowed the pace and dragged it out when you could have told it much nicer in fewer episodes. Yeah, I think you could have just gone from when they leave Earth, just going straight to. Um, you didn't need the episode Absolute Candor. <laughs> you have to pick up everybody no, along the way, okay? Everyone. All right, guys. Get, everyone get on the magic school bus. We have a sonic screwdriver. Come on, let's go. <laughs> no, but, but I do think but 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 I do think you make the point between between serialization and episodic. Like there is still episodic television, right? Like Blue Bloods. I've never seen it, but I'm assuming it's a it's a procedural, so it's an episodic show. Mm-hmm. You still have NCIS, which yeah. is 17 or 18 seasons in. Law and Order SVU is in its 22nd season. 
you still have these episodic shows that do your 20 episodes a season that can go on right forever and ever and ever and ever and ever right Mm -hmm. so when you do episodic nature i think it does lend to more episodes per season rather than serialization which i feel like needs to be kept shorter and just like listening like you know at the very beginning we listened to the announcement right and even in that like there there seem to be some hints that this is going to be potentially more episodic than it is going to be serialized like it's going to be going back to more of the original and what kurtzman shaban goldsman like all the all the brain trust for for this era of star trek have have essentially said like we want each show to have its own flavor we don't want it to be following the same exact formula as past versions of trek necessarily um, or even what they're doing right now so I don't know what that really means. I just know that they they really want this current era of, era of a tri- era of Star Trek to feel different from show to show, which that's cool too, I guess. Uh, this is which will be it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do with lower decks though once we actually get that animated series. Well, and and I think that in the '90s, like they had each show had its own different feel, like. The, like the next generation felt different than Deep Space Nine while they were on together, mm-hmm. right? Deep Space Nine and Voyager felt different from each other mm-hmm. while they were on at the same time. So I definitely think that that is something you can accomplish, right? Even though you have the same creative team, right, yeah. running all three of these shows, each show can have its own different flavor and atmosphere. Yeah. So. We'll see. There's, um, I saw one poster, uh, unless someone just completely made it up, but I saw something indicating that we might be getting this show like sometime fall 2021. I'm not going to hold my breath, especially with the Rona ruining everything. Um, that, that this show might premiere in fall 21? Yeah. That, that strain- I would be, I would be yeah. skeptical of that. I would too. Like From the announcement of Picard in August of 18? Yeah. I want to say it was like August of 18. It took us till January of 20. So it took a year and almost, five months. Yeah. Almost a year and a half. To like do. almost a year and a half. Right. Yeah. So a year and a half from now, I guess would put you, you know, fall, late fall of 21. Yeah. I would think that this would but, be like but, a spring, like a, like an early, like an, uh, an early 21 spring, or not early, an early 22 spring, 22, drop at the earliest i think that'd be the most realistic realistic for this to air like like january of 22 yeah i mean it was two years from when discovery was announced to when it it premiered yeah but that that also had some hang-ups with it too because originally it was supposed to air around the time of the 50th for star trek Yeah, in in fall of 16 it was supposed to and then there were like some roadblocks that popped up and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Brian Fuller left the show. What a turd. Well, did he leave the show? No. Or <laughs> I don't think it, I don't think he actually left the show. No. Well, I think we've talked about stuff enough. What do y'all think? Yeah, I'm sick. I'm Any sick. Any final thoughts? Oh, I'm sick of you <laughs> first. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any any like final thoughts though that kind of come to mind? Maybe something that we haven't talked about that you just gotta get in. 
I don't think so. I think uh, I think I've said my piece here. I, you know, when we get to, I'll, I'm not gonna get super excited until I see it. That's my big takeaway here. I can dig it. Yeah, and I, I think um, I think it's the same thing with with Star Trek as it is with Star Wars for me. I'm just happy to see new new series, new whatever coming out uh, to continue to introduce future generations to the shows that and or the media that impacted us so much uh, growing up with and continuing to grow up with and and also you know the the promotion of dreaming uh, star star trek was such a dream uh for folks you know bringing things that we could have never even imagined um in the decades in which it came out and continuing to push the envelope so hopefully we continue to get uh to get more and and then just continue the journey yeah i think like the thing that I'm looking forward to is is really hoping that we can cash in on a return to optimism and hope. Like so, like you like you rightly point out, Eric. Like with the people that I interviewed and stuff, and and like what most of us probably saw in Star Trek, you know, growing up in the '90s and, and watching it since then. Um, I want this to be a show that I can watch with my daughter. You know, like yeah, she's young, but I want this to be a show that I can watch with her someday. And hope, and maybe, maybe even hopefully she'll she'll fall in love with Star Trek, and that'll be one more thing that we can have in common, as you know, father daughter in a father daughter relationship. I, uh, I don't want there to be f bombs. I don't even want a gratuitous f bomb at all. It, I don't think it has a place in Star Trek. I'm okay with like your damn and your hell, but like, and whatever else they might have said like in the '90s. But apart from that, like the really hard hitting words. I don't want that in my st- in, in Star Trek. Well, well, let me let me just ask this question: Do you feel like Discovery and Picard are things that you wouldn't be comfortable watching with your daughter? Nope. You think they're too they're yep. too adult content for her? Yep. Okay. And I think that I think that's a problem because I think Star Trek is supposed to be you know family friendly. I mean, that's how I was introduced to Star Trek is with my father. Mm-hmm. Right, and I know that's how a lot of people got into it. Were with their, uh, especially a lot of people our age got into it. Whereas their parents, they watched it with their parents. Yeah, and and I want that with my daughter. Like that's one thing I want to have with her as she gets older. Like she's not gonna watch it now, but like I know that when Picard was airing, um, and like my wife and I, we were watching it because like she wouldn't watch it when I did. I get up at five thirty on Thursdays and I'd watch it uh, to prepare for the podcast. But like when she, when Michelle was was catching up and watching it on her own and I'd step in and watch it too. Like we had just put Elena to bed and then like Elena like might stir and have like a more difficult time going to sleep one week. And then we had to pause it and be like, dang it, we can't watch it because Elena's up. So we always had to wait for bedtime. And I dislike that. And I know that there are other families out there that dislike that too. And maybe there's some families that don't really care and that's, and that's cool too. Uh, but it's just not for me. Um, so I've rambled on that enough, but um, I'm hopeful and um, we'll see what happens. So cool beans, y'all. Well, thanks yeah. for thanks for coming on, um, Eric and David, for uh, for sharing your thoughts and having this conversation uh, with us. So um, I guess with that, we got to tell people how they can, you know, interact if they really want to. So um, the conversation doesn't end here. 
to all you all that are listening. Um, if you would like to share your own thoughts, like, are you excited? Are you not excited? What are you hoping um, that this show will bring? You know, um, what what are some connections that you hope to see um, that have been done in previous Trek that might make an appearance in this Trek? Uh, let us know. You can do that by opening up hailing frequencies. Uh, you can enter in coordinates to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. That's 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode of These Are the Voyages. Now, finally, if you're old school and you're still using that weird notepad that Captain Kirk uses where it's kind of a stylus, but it's also paper... You can write us um, by entering in coordinates to the Lone Star Station at P.O. Box 2455, Azle, Texas. That's A-Z-L-E 76098. Guys, thank you so much for exploring these strange new worlds with us. And as always, we will go 